Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! My name is Nigel. Jerry Lopez, also known as Indie Spanglish on uh, X and various social media platforms. Jerry filling in for Hammer. How the hell are you, sir? Turn the microphone on. You're not a rookie. Right, there you go. He got it. Doing great. Yeah, all Doing right. great. There Look at he that. is. Hey, it's been a week. It's well, been a week. you've been out the past two nights. No, that's hey, partying. Getting my dart game on. <laughs> I mean, I I call this guy last night, and I'm like, you know, are you watching the results of the election? And we're talking about the show today, and he's like, yeah. Now I'm I'm out I'm 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 out playing darts, watching the election. <laughs> and then I talked to you Monday, yeah. and you were out two nights in a row. I'm a dart vet. I'm a dart two, vet. But, but two nights in a row. I'm yeah. so je- like I go to bed at night. O'clock and Jerry's out here playing darts two nights in a row. Um, on one hand, I'm happy that you know so many Republican successes in Indiana. I mean, what what was the stat you were just rattling off for me? Uh, uh, Seventy six Republican mayors, new state record. Seventy six Republican mayors in Indiana elected last night. So like that's kind of cool. There's some really good news. Um, you know, in my Town, Zionsville, if you're a Republican, you did well. Whitestown, Lebanon, you did well. Carmel. Carmel, you're in the the woods. We'll get to that in a second. Westfield. Noblesville, Fishers. Um, so, but on the other hand, I'm kind of relieved. I don't have to talk about Jefferson Shreve v. Joe Hogsett anymore. I think we all knew what was going to happen. Hogsett wins a third and by his own words, final term. He said that the last time, by the way. <laughs> he uh, he wins. This this will be his final term of uh, mayor of Indianapolis, defeating Republican Jefferson Sharif. 60-40. Pretty much uh, like we call it, right? Yep. 60-40 lead. Now, uh, I had this audio from Wish TV of Joe Hogsett last night in his victory speech. He kind of sounded like you did last night when <laughs> when we talked on the phone and you were at the bar. He Just listen. I don't know. Something's off. It, it sounded like he'd been really celebrating his big win, if you know what I mean. It takes advocates. It takes neighborhood leaders. It takes community stakeholders. <laughs> to shape city government into a government that serves all of Indianapolis. All people. All Okay. Yes, I manipulated the audio, if you can't tell. It's a Joe, people. Calm down. Um, so, what do we think of uh, Joe Hogsett's uh, victory against Jefferson Shreve? I don't have a lot of negative things to say about Shreve. I hammer hated him. I, I don't think he hated him personally. I, I get it. I'm not a Marion County voter. I believe that I probably would have held my nose and voted for Sharif if I lived in Marion County. He just didn't seem like, set his, his two-way policies aside, just to seem like a a, a, a relatable, it seemed just kind of milk toast, Jerry. Yeah, you know, very just, boring. Not, not the guy, yeah, not the guy. It was very boring, very unenergetic. There wasn't much to get excited about, and it's hard to uh, to energize a, a voting base if you're not a very energetic person. So, I mean, if you get blown out by a guy that sucks, <laughs> that's that has a lot to say with with how you ran your campaign. Here is uh, Hogsett's opponent, Jefferson Sharif, on what's next for him. I suspect you may see me serve on a board or a commission in this town. I served on the Metropolitan Development Commission, for example. And I want to be involved. This is my community. Not in, perhaps in an elected position, but I want to be involved and I will be. So that's not a full-on obligation and I can't move the needle for Indianapolis as right. I could as mayor. I can't. All right, I can't do it anymore. All It'll right. be a so, lot cheaper. 
Yeah. What what are we talking? Thirteen million. Thirteen million? Yeah. Woo. Of his own money. I mean, he can afford it. Let's face it. Jeez, but that hurt my heart to hear Rich that. Rich, I mean, the, the guy knows what he's doing in terms of business and entrepreneurship, but 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 wow, thirteen million dollars. Mm. Meanwhile, in your neck of the woods, Carmel, Hamilton County, Republicans electing Sue Finkham the new mayor of Carmel. What'd you say? It's something crazy with the previous mayor, Jim Brainerd. Yeah, so twenty-eight years, seven, uh, seven, seven times, terms, twenty-eight years. In, yeah, holy crap! That's a long time. And, a good and they run thought for... that people would flip to the D after having seven <laughs> terms of a Republican mayor. All right, here again, uh, our news gathering partners, Wish TV, uh, give them credit for this audio. Sue Finkham. I thought this election would be about the best way to lead the city, but it turned into something louder, nastier, and negative, where my opponent attacked me and painted Carmel in a negative light nationally. But rather than run a divisive campaign, I decided to put the city and its people first and campaign with integrity and clarity of vision. A signal as to how it will lead is your next mayor. But who, so who ran against her? Uh, Miles Nelson. And how... What's she talking about? Negative campaign. So, he, he was the one that kind of moms tried to, for liberty. Yeah, yeah, but moms for liberty. I'm not totally against. They they made a mistake, right? They included some quote from yeah, Hitler. That but whole, that was, if you want to take over generation, you influence the kids or something on some newsletter. And he came out, during, out of the, context, during the debate. Of. He was like, "I need you to denounce them," and she kind of ignored it, and they just ran with that the whole time. But she still won. She won by a lot. But that's what he made it yeah. about. Her opponent made it about. Kind of like Hogsett made it about Trump and right. uh, 2A yeah. for, uh, against his opponent, Sharif. Right? So do you like Finkham? Or, I mean, are you happy I mean, with that? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm a lot happier than it would have been Miles Nelson, for sure. I mean, you know, yeah. I have no no issues. That there, so uh, where where did you watch the uh, election results? On my phone from Old Town Tavern <laughs> in Carmel. So that's yeah. so you have that's walking distance from your house. Yeah, a couple blocks. Oh my gosh, that is dangerous, yeah. dude. Oh, there's many times where I'll just go pick up my car the next. Month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I tell people all the time, uh, Hamilton County locked up Jim Ursay. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. You don't want to risk it. I'm walking. I'd be walking every time, though. A couple yeah. of blocks? It's Come on. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you ever go to the Sun King area, the Midtown I've area? never been there, but I've been to Midtown. Yeah, I take the kids there and go out there in the summer. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, the giant piece of turf with the huge yeah. TV screens and all the restaurants and Ping stuff like that. Ping pong and, yeah, pool table. Where are your, who's watching your kids that you could go out Monday and Tuesday? Well, you know, I got older kids, so. <laughs> so, so when you yeah. have older kids, they yeah. can keep an eye on the yeah. younger kids. Listen, I raised well, them right. Don't open the door. Well, <laughs> I love it. This guy going out Monday and Tuesday, and I remember you if you were, want some in darts, come get some. But you, you, you called me. I picked up the phone. I go, "This is Nigel," and you go, "Don't you ever answer the phone so professionally like that again in your life?" You I go, said, "Nigel, you sound like the police right you now." You go, "You go, mother effer. You know who this is. You don't have to answer the phone like that." You sound like the dying, police. I started dying laughing. Um, so okay, so Republican incumbent Dan Rednauer uh, won re-election as mayor of Muncie. Ronald Morrell Jr. This is a historic win. It's a big one. Thirty-year-old. Not uh, even thirty yet. Twenty-nine. He'll be thirty when he gets in. Oh, he'll be thirty when he finally takes office, becoming the first black Republican mayor of Marion, Indiana. First black Republican mayor in the state of Indiana. Wow, that is that's incredible. That's historic. Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of this guy. I really like.
like him, and and it, I think he's going to be a star. Yep, good guy, Marion guy, home, home uh, hometown guy, uh, and really is focused on keeping people in Marion uh, nationally. Okay, we're we're all happy. We're all we're all bubbles here, um, except for people in Marion County that didn't want Hogsett to win. I don't, but feel, nationally, I don't feel bad. Nationally, Republicans taking heavy losses in Virginia. Um, they got the they got the Senate. They had a they you know the, they got back to Senate. The Democrats did. I think Dem, it's a Democratic House and Senate now. Ohio and Kentucky. The Kentucky Democratic governor wins. His opponent was a Trump backed African American. Is there a race issue involved here? I'm not sure. I don't think I just, so. I, no, I just I said <laughs> a joke. Um, Ohio abortion rights wins, legalized marijuana wins in Ohio, yeah. and um, Virginia Dems keep control of the state Senate, like I mentioned earlier. So, how does this? What does this mean for Republicans coming up in 2024? That that you know, I, I'm hearing a lot of talk about abortion. I mean, Ohio, that was on the ballot, right? Yep. And I think I think um, in Virginia, it wasn't on the ballot, but Yunkin... Slammed. You, you know, Yunkin was saying, hey, you know, once we take control of both the House and the Senate, we're going to change the laws here, too. Yep. What what happened here in, I, in these states? I don't know, but I, I know I know Ronna McDaniel, the, the GOP chairman, mm. to get it together because, uh, you know, she's been there six years, and outside of when, uh, when Donald Trump won... Republicans have not fared very well nationally. I mean, in certain states, Indiana, Texas, places like that, they've done well. But on the national scale, they're losing ground and losing ground fast. And as long as they focus on civil issues, gay marriage, abortion, stuff like that, that really is uh, emotional. Oh, we, yeah. we don't we don't do well. All right, back to Sharif before we hit a look at traffic here. Um, as we always like to do, it is the end of Jefferson Sharif's campaign and his political, not necessarily his political career, but his aspirations of mayor are no more. So as we do every time, a very special and sad Sarah McLaughlin tribute to the Sharif campaign. Here's the truth. Jefferson Shreve supports a ban on assault weapons and the repeal of permitless carry. Jefferson Shreve campaigned door-to-door with a supporter flashing a handgun. What is the message it sent? I think my message resonated. <laughs> I didn't intend to send any message. Let your love pass you by. I didn't ask about intent. I'm talking about the message as received. I think my message resonated. <laughs> I'm so I don't think so. You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read Booze News because it's really fun. Oh, it's your lips. It's so good. It's Booze News, Time for Booze News. Three words, Jerry. Jerry Lopez filling in for Hammer. Kahlua scented perfume. It's a now a thing. It's supposed to smell like an espresso. <laughs> so vodka, Kahlua, and coffee. They're doing it as part of the um, espresso martini's 40th birthday this year. You can order it at, uh, I don't know, some website. It's like $105 a bottle. Is it called Soccer Mom? Well, I, you know, that's... <laughs> It's it hilarious. It smells like the pickup line at the school. You it, know? If you wanna, if you wanna smell like Kahlua, just drink Kahlua. 
That's it. Yeah. Cooler, like, like it, I think it's gross when people have coffee breath. So now they're making a, a a perfume that smells like vodka, Kahlua, and coffee for a, imaginaryauthors.com is the uh, is the website. By the way, now I don't. The only thing I use Kahlua in is uh, White Russians, which I haven't actually. I'll tell you something. Over the weekend, my, my wife and I snuck out to the Friendly. You ever been to the Friendly I downtown? Have. Yeah, Zionsville? yeah. Killer wings, as always. That's why I went. And the the guy that we sat next to in the bar was drinking something that looked a whole hell of a lot like a White Russian. I go, that looks good. I'm going to take a White Russian, too. He looks over at me. He's, it's not a White Russian. I go, well, what is it? It looked exactly like it. It's a, um, he goes, double Jameson mixed with double Baileys. <laughs> That's right. Do we still use white Russian? Like we change freedom fries from French fries to freedom fries. <laughs> I think we're we still, still using use, white Russian. I think Russian. it's okay to use know. white Russian. You might want but, to ask Zelensky. But the double Baileys and the double Jameson wasn't bad. A lot of, pretty, lot, lot of sugar in there. I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, if it messes up my dart game, I'm coming after where you. Where do you... Okay, so so what's the drink of choice when you uh, are... Just are a, just a Heine guy. Just Heineken. Heineken. Yeah. Oh, man. Skunky. Yeah. I don't like it. I haven't had Heineken in years. Wow, really? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll go domestic. I'll go standard Miller Lite. You don't go Bud uh, Lights? No. I never did, even before all the controversy with the... And my, you know what's funny? My buddies... All are diehard Bud Light guys. They never stop. <laughs> they don't care. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the quote unquote boycott, if you want to call it that, worked. I think people just chose something else to drink right. because of the ridiculousness. But it obviously worked. It's funny. It's still a thing, too, kind it's of. It's still a thing. Yeah. yeah. It's down 17% from last year. It's crazy. People I are believe. holding on. Uh, three more words fish flavored liquor. Yuck. That arrives this month, a place in New Hampshire. Has a new brandy that tastes like smoked trout. <laughs> uh, that uh, goes on sale later on this month. Sixty-five dollars a photo. They also have now. I'm. I could be. I could be up for this. This place in New Hampshire has whiskey that tastes like crab, and another whiskey that tastes like deer meat. Any of those sound uh, palatable to you? I mean, no. They just sound weird. I mean, I, I like crab. I like deer meat. But I can't imagine drinking something that tastes like that. <laughs> and finally, a new report found Americans are not the biggest binge drinkers in the world. Cost too much. Cost too much, nice. Yeah, inflation, man. We're up there, though. It looked at 33 wealthy nations and how common it is. Uh, they defined it as six or more drinks in one drinking session. Denmark ranked first. Thirty-seven of the Danes have done some binge drinking in the past month. Is that what considered binge drinking? Six more than six drinks in one session. Uh, then it's Romania, then the UK, and then the United States is tenth, twenty-three. Got some work percent. to do. Uh, I'm sure we could do it. I'm sure we could yeah. make it happen. Uh, I, like the recommended CDC, I don't know, dosage or amount <laughs> of alcohol is two drinks per week. And I'm like, wow. Per week? Yeah. That's, that's you know, if you want to stay healthy, if you want to stay cancer free, if you want to uh, eliminate heart disease, two drinks per week. That The first just, one makes me thirsty. <laughs> Like the second one is the, the, the second first one, one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's the point of one just sitting down and having a beer? I never really understood that. No. 
Does that make sense to you? None. How much you spend last night? I mean, it's not much. Maybe six bucks a beer, probably like four beers. Six bucks for a Heineken? Yeah. Is that expensive? Are you kidding me? Is that expensive? Six bucks. Were they pints? (laughs) Bottles? There weren't. (laughs) Holy God almighty. Were you drinking? Yeah. I mean, maybe 16 ounces. No. Oh, welcome boy. to Carmel, baby. I was going to say, man, a high flutin' in Carmel. Oh, wow. All right, it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Keep you my dirty little secret. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, my name is Nigel. Jerry Lopez is filling in for Hammer. You can find him at Indy Spanglish on Twitter X. So we're over a month from uh, what happened October 7th in Israel. Atrocities from Hamas crossing the border, slaughtering 1,400 innocent civilians and slaughter really just does, does doesn't even do it justice if i mean it's just some of the most heinous it's just amazing what the what humans are capable of doing to other human beings and it's sad the more stories come out you hear about babies and grandmas and and just ladies you know people just partying at a rave in in so the reaction after that happened almost immediately was it's Israel's fault. We have pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel demonstrations across the globe. Tell me how that works exactly. Uh, you have people in the United States, mostly uh, bipartisan, saying that Israel has every right to do what it's doing right now in Gaza and defending itself and going after and eradicating Hamas. But then... There's a couple rascals there in the house. You might know them better as the squad that are causing a little bit of trouble. And I'm I'm actually surprised this happened. The House of Representatives voted yesterday to censure Michigan's Democrat rep Rashida Tlaib. She was censured over comments that she made about Israel. Not really well accepted by her colleagues, and it was like a two thirty four to one eighty eight. Like it wasn't even close. It was, it was, it was bipartisan with twenty two Democrats. That's the shocking part. Join with the Republicans. When does that ever happen? Never. That never. When does that ever happen with Democrats voting for Republicans? Um, Because Dems almost always vote together. And so here's the deal. So here, here's what happened. Her repeating. Repeating the pro-Hamas mantra, from the river to the sea, Palestine, uh, Palestine will be free. Which, you know, anybody so, knows anything. So do we know what ge- the, do we know what the river and the sea are? So it's the Jordan River, the Jordan River, and the Mediterranean, Mediterranean, Mediterranean Sea, and in the middle there's this country <laughs> called Israel. From the river to the sea. Palestine will be free, and it's considered a, a call for Israeli genocide. Yeah. Right? The elimination of Israel. Get rid Israel. of the country. Get rid of the country, get rid of the people. And uh, and then, of course, she she also, Tlaib also repeated the now, I mean, almost immediately discredited allegation of Israel's culpability for that strike at the Gaza hospital, yeah. which never happened. Nope. So, as you can imagine, Jerry, members of the squad made rational and calm arguments defending Rashida Tlaib. Actually, here is uh, Representative Cory Bush. 
it's outrageous that my colleagues are blatantly, blatantly attempting to silence the only Palestinian American representative right here. Um, it's outrageous, but it's not surprising. And let me tell you, it's not surprising because this place is where 1,700 members of Congress, this elected body, enslaved black people. It's not surprising because they thought what? it was right. It's not surprising because this is a place where members continue to claim that the insurrection on the Capitol just appeared to look like a normal tourist visit. It's not it surprising because this is the place where our black and brown staff members repeatedly speak of experiencing racism and sexism, Islamophobia, get pushed off of elevators, xenophobia, and more right here in this workplace. This is the place. And let me say this. She mourns for the 1400 Israelis. The and she takes the, the death threats that you all send that, that they the gentlelady is no longer speaker. recognized the gentleman from Maryland the desire to save is greater gentleman from Maryland is recognized so that was uh, representative Cory Bush defending her uh, fellow squad member Rashida Tlaib and uh, again, Rashida Tlaib censored over her comments from the river to the sea, things like that, which 22 Democrats also joined with most of the Republicans. Well, don't forget, Cori Bush was elected to Congress based on a lie on the Michael Brown case for hands up, don't shoot, which also never happened. And her calling... <laughs> That's such a good point. Her calling, you know, the insurrection. You know, people said it was like a tourist. Watch the inter- they walk watch, through ropes, Nigel. Watch <laughs> they walk through ropes. The cops walked around, like kind of guiding the Chewbacca guy. Now go over here. Yeah, here you go over here. Um, do we want to hear more cackling? Because I didn't. By the way, I didn't hear Cori Bush call for the release of the hostages. No, she doesn't care. I, I don't hear any of these people that are so worried about Gaza ever say they, they're calling for ceasefires. They're causing for a pause for humanitarian aid, which is happening. Yep. But they're not calling for a release of the hostages. Here is uh, Representative Omar with a very subdued, very docile statement. What is true oh. here is that every single one of them has not acknowledged the fact that Palestinians are dying in the tens of thousands, but will continue to say it is us who are not acknowledging humanity. Rashida will stand strong. The ladies, time has expired. The movement will continue for liberation until. Gentlelady's time has expired. Has the right Ge- to gentleman from Maryland liberty. is recognized. These are people, Jerry, that are unhinged. They're emotional. They uh, won't condemn Hamas. They won't condemn what they did. And they won't say that Israel has a right to defend themselves. You know, it's it's the truth is the only people that care about the Isra- the Palestinians are the Israelis. As much as people don't want to believe that, Hamas needs dead Palestinians for the show like this, right? For our, our Congress people to go up there and spout out these lies. You know, it, it's been shown that Hamas is not letting the Palestinians even leave the area. Yeah, because they need them for human shields. We need you to be here They're, so that they come in and they, they, they don't do this and just blow it all up. They created bunkers f- for... They created bunkers under hospitals. And I mean, imagine 9 11. Hosp- imagine 9 12 nights, and they come out and go, You guys need to be cool about bombing Afghanistan. You've lost your mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I didn't really see any proportionality when the United States drops two nuclear bombs. No. <laughs> Japan. Um, but so, so let's go back in time to hear what Tlaib had to say about Donald Trump when she was running for office. Just as because we're, we're going to go in there, we're going to impeach the motherfucker. <laughs> so we're not dealing with rational people at all. 
Uh, and it's it's scary. They have a say, and they are powerful lawmakers. But they keep it's, getting voted in too. That's the crazy part. They have people that keep voting for these yahoos. Uh, this is amazing. Meanwhile, uh, on the topic of notorious anti-Semites, Roger Waters from Pink Floyd sat down with uh, independent journalist. You've heard of Glenn Greenwald. I have. Used to be from The Intercept. Um, created his own thing. Uh, <laughs> Roger Waters said that the Hamas massacre was quote thrown out of all proportion. Uh, here, here he is. Here's Glenn asked Roger Waters or Pink Floyd what Hamas did on October 7th, if it was justified or not. Do you think what Hamas did on October 7th can be justified? Well, we don't, A, we don't know what they did do, but do, huh? was it justified for them to resist the occupation? Yeah. So he goes right to the occupation. He deflects. And what did he say there at the beginning, Allison? Can you repeat? Can you? He said, uh, "We don't really know what they did." Yeah, yeah. Do you think what Hamas did on October seventh can be justified? Well, we don't. A, we don't know what they did do. But <laughs> okay, do- stop, stop. This, this. Then Glenn asked Roger Waters if what Hamas did. Um, let, oh, okay, here, we, here we go. Glenn pushed him a little bit and asked him if there were war crimes committed. Here we go with that. There may have been individuals. What I, I was reading a news story this morning. Haaretz have finally come out with figures of how many people were actually killed and who they were. On that day, uh-huh. On that day, yeah. yeah. And so probably the first 400 were Israeli military personnel. Oh. Who are? That is not a war crime. No, but what about targeting civilians or abducting them? No, of course. No, of course not. No, of course I don't condone that. But the thing was was thrown out of all proportion by the Israelis making up stories about beheading babies. <laughs> it's made up now. I don't says Roger Waters. It's all made up. The 1400, the videos we've seen on the internet, the the slaughter, the blood, all made up. It's it has blown out of proportion. This is crazy. We we need to start an exchange program. If you like it so much, you go over there, we'll swap you out for somebody who wants to come over here. This is a guy that that's floated an inflatable pig with the Star of David plastered on its side at his concerts. Uh, no more Pink Floyd re-entries uh, policy on this show, Allison, okay? Is that all right? Can we all agree to that? <laughs> Jerry and I were just talking off the air. We're going to play this clip one more time of that idiot Roger Waters from Pink Floyd uh, asked if there were war crimes committed on October 7th. There may have been individuals. What I, I was reading a news story this morning. Hit it. Pause it right there. Pause it. He's reading a news story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So enlighten us about this news story that you read, Raj. The Haaretz have finally come out with figures of how many people were actually killed and who they were. On that day, uh-huh. On that day, yeah. yeah. And so probably the first 400 were Israeli military personnel. Who are? That is not a war crime. No, but what about targeting civilians or abducting them? No, of course. No, of course not. No, of course I don't condone that. But the thing was was thrown out of all proportion by the Israelis making up stories about beheading babies. So, this is a guy that's, you know, the lead singer of one of the world's most popular rock bands. 
and he's he's saying he he doesn't he read a new he read a news story that the first 400 people that died were soldiers he's elated by that by the way because those weren't war crimes no issue with that yeah i have no issue with that that was war, war, war crimes they're resisting and then Glenn Greenwald was the one doing the, the questioning there and pressed him. Well, what about the civilians? Well, no, of course, uh, no civilians. But look, we're now seeing that the the, the he does the the babies be, being beheaded was it's all made up. It's all made up. He believes the number Hamas gives about the ten thousand Palestinians already dead. He believes that that Hamas figure coming from them. But he does not believe any of the atrocities that were committed. Uh, in in Israel, he does, he does it. He, he questions it. Even if there, <laughs> even if there were four hundred soldiers killed, I guarantee they were just protecting that rave, right? They weren't out doing missions or anything like that, as far as I've heard. Right, right, right. Now I will say, I does not smart to have a rave right there. By the way, just right next put to that the border. Yeah, right that wasn't the, right that wasn't a good move. I, I I will say I I'm still questioning how this slipped by. Israeli intelligence or U.S. intelligence, sure. for that matter. I have lots of questions there because you have guys paragliding in on, like, where is the training going on for this? I still haven't heard anything solid about why the failure. And once this war is over, I'm, they've mentioned, uh, Netanyahu has said, we are going to get down to the bottom of what happened. Right now, they're in the middle of this. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Does that concern you that they missed something like that? I mean, a little bit. But what really concerns me is while they're mobilizing all their soldiers and stuff, Netanyahu's son is in Miami chilling. He's not. That's he, right. He's, he's not here. even doing his military service. He can't be over in. He can't be over in Israel. But you're in that's Miami a, partying. That's is he a, partying? Yeah, that's a. I know. I mean, he's look. doing work for some nonprofit group. That's a horrible look, though. You're sending if, our, if, you're sending if our, you okay yeah that is you're right you're sending other people's women and children to go defend a country while your son is safe chilling in on South Beach now I will say people Israelis rushed to, to sign up yeah. to sign up rushed they, they had more than they could use initially um, people leaving the United States to go uh, to to Israel to fight they had more I mean they were rushing to the battle and and for. <laughs> For Roger Waters to say, "Hey, it wasn't a war crime. Four hundred soldiers. No, the, 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 you know, I read in a news article that the first four hundred people they, the Hamas killed in that raid was, was they were soldiers. Yeah, and he was elated about that. All right, um, Florida woman bit in the face by a nine foot alligator. Oof, whilst snorkeling. I don't get with these people, in Florida, and snorkeling in these these areas that could have." Alligators. Here's uh, Marissa and her friend Shane talking about the attack. I ripped the mask off and I turned and I saw it's like two little eyes like sticking out of the water. I just heard a rush of water. Turned around to make sure like she was okay. And I just saw the gator. I saw it, her head in its mouth. And then like as I was running back and like I saw what it was, that's when it started hurting. I was like, ow, my forehead hurts really bad and my neck is in, like so much pain. Do, do you imagine? She got so lucky. Yeah, uh, Snorkeling with your fiance Jerry and looking over uh, through your goggles while you're submerged and seeing an alligator no. biting her. Here's uh, Chubbs Peterson. Actually, can I identify with this woman's pain? Damn you, alligator bit my hand off. Oh my god! <laughs> Are you a big ocean guy? No, man, that's um, a nightmare for me. I don't like. Sh- I was that kid in the pool that would like tell myself there's a shark in the water mm-hmm. and I get out of the pool super quick. 
I don't it like water. Nice. I don't like water animals. Yeah, we, <laughs> I don't. Water Maybe it's because I'm Cuban. I, I have this fear of water animals. I get it. I get it. I was, you know, my anxiety was through the roof on vacation down at uh, Anna Maria Island because a the the ocean the, there had been storms, so the waves were huge, bigger than I'd ever seen them in the Gulf. And B, they were out. And you were able to walk out quite a bit. Because the tide was low, mm-hmm. so I'm like, I have no idea what's out here. No. Could be a great white, Good. you know, swimming around, and so I'm just sitting there watching my kids like an eagle, like helicopter parents. Do you remember in Florida stream. there was a little boy that got snatched up? Come by, on, no, 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 yeah. no. At Disney, no, it was at no, Disney. I know, I know. I don't want to yeah. hear about it. I can't talk yeah. about that. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine that. But these people that go around and and purposely. Go to these swamp areas and. Well, that's not us, Nige. That's you guys. <laughs> that's you guys. We don't do that. What do you mean? What, what do you mean? I mean, you guys. You, you people. You, what, what do you mean, you people? Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is out. Jerry Lopez is in. You know him as at Indie Spanglish on social media. media. Uh, did you get out and do your civic duty yesterday? Of course, of you, course, had to. Are you a day of voter? I am a day of voter. I take my daughter day of voting. I think it's very oh, really important. yeah. Wait, you're younger, what? Uh, you... So my uh, my twenty year old. Okay, yeah. So All I right. take her. We go do it together just so she can do it. And now that I'm involved, it's really cool because she knows the people that she's voting for. So and, and, and who was there much of a line in Carmel? No, no, it wasn't bad. Maybe like ten people. I, every everywhere I've heard now that the. Every precinct, everybody's talking about. Yeah, there was no wait. Got right in. Got yeah, right out. Voter, voter turnout. I'm not sure, but but I early voted. Also, not a presidential election. So yeah, it's an off year. I know. Um, it's going to be a big one next year for sure. Uh, so Joe Hogsett, of course, uh, we, we all knew it. Won a third by his own words and final term as mayor of Indianapolis. You remember previously. Uh, during his second win, he said, this is going to be my final one. You know, here's the thing that's frustrating for me, Nigel. Indianapolis is sick of how Indianapolis is going, but Indianapolis won't make the changes necessary to be better. If you look at the counties that surround Marion County, they're all doing great, right? But you had a chance to yeah. get rid of Ryan Mears, your horrible failing prosecuting attorney, and get Sidney Carrasco. Ryan Mears won. You had a chance to get rid of Mayor Hogsett. Everybody's been complaining about murders and crime in the city. 60-40, he won. And then they turn around and, and elected a socialist to the council. Oh, that's right, yeah. With Jesse Brown. So it's like, st- I don't want, for the next four years, Indianapolis, shut up. I don't want to hear it. You get what you voted for. Well, apparently, according to this email Hammer and I received, we are not allowed to whine about the next four years because it's our fault that Sharif lost 60-40 to Joe Hogsett. <laughs> Listen to this. We've gotten drips and drabs of this on Twitter uh, because we were, uh, Hammer especially, very rough on Sharif for his campaign. The people that he surrounded himself wa- with uh, were incompetent, gave him bad advice. The whole 2A angle, uh, I mean, he, he mirrored Joe Hogsett's gun plan. Uh, all legitimate criticisms. And Hammer, in particular, because he's a Marion County resident, was very rough on Jefferson Shreve. I don't blame him a bit. But we we have this email. He just forwarded me this email. He's off today. And I want you to I want you to listen to this. This is kind of the sentiment we've been getting. And and this guy is very upset. He's very sad, and uh, he blames us 
for um, the loss of uh, Republican Jefferson Shreve. So can we have some sad music to play when I read this? Dear Hammer and Nigel, well, looks like your strategy worked. Your voice and the voice of WIBC as organizers, the WIBC as an organization was effective. Hogset won another four more years. Wow, by 20 frickin' points. All caps. So very disappointing that you and your entire organization, Nigel, Rob, and Katz, were as influential as you were. As you know, WIBC has a significant following and lots of ears. It is simply a travesty that you guys don't understand the influence you have over other people. It is a responsibility, not just an entertainment show. I do believe that WIBC was completely responsible for the demise of Sharif. Yes, his whole campaign could not have been worse. And frankly, we communicated on a number of issues and platforms that they appeared to be completely oblivious to. Unfortunately, probably too little too late to rebound from. At the end of the day, you were successful in helping Hogsett win. Hopefully, the kickbacks were worth it. <laughs> Four more years of crime, murders, bigotry, financial waste, and allowing the myopic Democrats thinking to flourish in Indianapolis. Just remember, none of you at WIBC are allowed to whine, complain, or remotely bitch about what you supported and then successfully helped to win Joe Hogsett, his supporters, and the Democratic establishment. Shame on WIBC. Pitiful. <laughs> that is a real email that we received. I'm not going to say his name or anything. I don't want to like dox this guy or anything. But the dude lost by 20%. Hey, so we need to start a new trend. So if you're on X, I want you to do hashtag Hammer and Nigel's fault. We're going to see if we can get that trending. All right. Hashtag Hammer and Nigel's fault. Uh, hashtag Hammer and Nigel's fault. I, I mean, the guy, again, 20%. Uh, like we weren't the only ones who thought his campaign was horribly ran and, either. And by to be the honest, way, at Ham, Hammer did he 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 didn't like the two A thing, but not once did he say don't vote for Shreve. Absolutely, not one time. He said you do what Nobody. you want. I don't like the gun thing, but he that's never once said don't vote for such Shreve. a good. That's such a good point. I mean, do we have poll? Do people listen to what we say? Do we have twenty percent poll? Does that make it? I mean, it was an awful campaign run by awful, uh, some bad advisors, plain and simple. It was a winnable race. And sometimes I question whether even it was a winnable race for a guy like Sharif. I mean, because I set his policies aside, I just don't think he was the guy. There's, there's I mean, it was, a reason. It was a milk toast campaign. It there, really was. There's a reason he came out the two way thing after he beat Abdul in the primary. Because if he would have done that prior to the primary, he wouldn't have won the primary. He shouldn't have come out with the two way thing. That's the first. That's the first step. Even if he didn't, I think he still would have lost. Anything to do with it? Yeah, uh, the the Indiana GOP, its leaders, Marion County GOP has to do. Uh, they have to be much better. So, meanwhile, in Hamilton County, the reason why I ask you if you voted uh, yesterday is because you live in Hamilton County, specifically Carmel, 
and you finally got a new mayor after 28 years of Brainerd. I mean, right. like, did you like the job Brainerd did? I mean, did you like it? I mean, it? I live in Carmel, so he couldn't yeah. have been doing too bad. Right. Yeah. Okay. Just all he did, roundabouts. Just keep putting up roundabouts, <laughs> brother. That's it. <laughs> Sue Finkham is her name. As soon as Southsiders learn how to drive, put up another one, you know? Who 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 is Sue Finkham? Who am I? Uh, who are we uh, voting for there at the? You know, who are we cheering for? Uh, Mayoral elect Finkham. Yeah, who is it? Definitely. Uh, so Sue Finkham, she was three times city council. She had okay. three terms on the council. Businesswoman, good, good person. The person she ran against, Miles Nelson, was asked uh, what he does or what he intends to do as far as like working with the police, and his response was. I want to get to zero emissions. <laughs> I heard those. Were those, were those part of his campaign commercials? Yeah, zero emissions. Wow. Okay, that doesn't seem like too much of a stretch that she won. Well, I think it was kind of close, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, all things considered. I think the story- But that's what happens when people around the country bring their liberal politics to conservative cities. Right. Like I say, the life cycle of a liberal is I hate my town. I'm voting liberal. My town sucks. I moved to a conservative town. I I'm vote voting liberal. liberal. My town sucks. That's exactly what's happening in cities like Austin, Texas, for example. Hell, that place was liberal when I lived down there in 2000, uh, you know, 2009. And it's just gotten worse down there. Ever and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. All right, I usually uh, ask Hammer how we play Is This Anything? And he usually replies, uh, I'm going to give you a bunch of stories. You tell me if there is anything or not. You know how to play Is This Anything, right, Jerry? I've played before. Jerry Lopez filling in for Hammer at Indy Spanglish on X, a former English teacher in Missouri has made nearly $1 million on our OnlyFans account since joining it over the summer. Here is Brianna Coppage explaining why she moved from teaching to OnlyFans. Our handbook policies are very vague, and they just say something about, like, represent yourself well. Did I violate that? I feel like that's a matter of opinion. I've definitely gone through a grieving process, um, especially that first week and the second week, just knowing that I won't be going back to education and I won't ever be seeing my students again. I've been able to pay off all my student loans, like any car loans or credit card debt. Like I have no debt now. So like that's really freeing. All right. Uh, no longer a teacher because of her OnlyFans account. Is this anything? I mean, she's not going to miss her students for for long. As soon as they hit 18, <laughs> they'll be subscribers, so I wouldn't worry too much. <laughs> for people that don't know what OnlyFans is, I, it's some sort of subscription. Yeah, where people post uh, like uh, semi, whatever you want. Let's say like, some are erotic, some are not, but you can It's subscribe. mostly known for being used by yeah. sex workers. Yeah, yeah. And they upload images and videos. They interact with their fans via direct messages, but it costs money. like you money. know a lot, nice. I'm just trying to explain. <laughs> I'm trying to give context is what OnlyFans is. It's like a subscription fee. $5 a month or whatever. Right. And the only thing I don't know here is what she was doing on OnlyFans. What kind of content was she creating? I'm assuming it's erotic. But a million dollars? It has to be sexual, right? Do you want your kids being taught by somebody who is also performing sex acts and putting out nude pictures. How would I internet. know? How would I know? That's well, my now, question. But 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 now we know. Yeah. <laughs> somebody got a hold right. of something and some some hater put yeah. her business out there is what happened. So the question remains. 
do you want your kids? No. No? I think ultimately, probably, you want... <laughs> yeah. But if your side hustle is... Send me the link. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jimmy Kimmel has announced People Magazine's 2023 Sexiest Man Alive last night. The title goes to... Go ahead. Let's go ahead. Please welcome People's Sexiest Man Alive, Mr. Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you very much. What took them so long is the I, only question I have. I don't know. I'm just happy they made a decision, and it was me this year. I'm they very grateful. They finally made the right decision. Yes. Never give up on a dream. <laughs> How did your family react to the dream? They laughed quite they hard. They did? Patrick Dempsey, sexiest man alive. Is this anything? I mean, this is a snooze fest. Why is it him? Like, that makes no sense. Yeah, and then recycling all these dudes from the 90s, yeah. People Magazine. This is not original concept anymore, and I want to know when they're going to put the first trans. Uh, uh, he's coming. The female, pretending yeah. to be a male. It's coming. Male to female. Yeah. Uh, you know, and when are they going to put the, you know, the sexiest woman alive? Do they do sexiest woman? No, because that's sexist. That, that would be sexist. Yeah. Only if it's a trans only, woman, though. Only, subjug- only if it's a trans woman. That's true. But you can, you can subjugate men to whatever you want, but... Uh, Patrick Dempsey, very uh, underrated role in the uh, 80s film Can't Buy Me Love. Who, If you remember, he plays a nerd who who pays the most popular girl in school to go out with her. Love that old, movie. Yeah. Major, uh, major um, movie I loved when I was a kid. Carly Waddell from The Bachelor went to NYU's Tisch School of the Arts with Lady Gaga. Do you watch The Bachelor? Does your, what, no, uh, your not watching The Bachelor. Fiance? No, no. At all? She not didn't make you watch it? No, not watch it. This is interesting. In a recent interview, she explains why Lady Gaga was annoying. You were, like, in class with Lady yes. Gaga? Yes, but then she was Stephanie. I was not a fan. <laughs> During lunch, she would play on the piano. There's a piano because you would eat just in like a dance studio. Yeah. And she would sit at the piano every single day and just play and sing Wicked at the top of her lungs every day. Okay. And we were all just trying to eat lunch. It's like break time. And we were all like forced to listen to her. And yes, was she good? Of course. She yeah. was great. But yeah. I just wanted to eat my sandwich. And so I used to just eat in the hallway. Did everyone? Because she was driving me crazy. I mean, she was one of the good ones. I would never be like, she was so above. But now she's so above. D-list celebrity criticizing Lady Gaga. Is this anything? No, this is a waste of time. Like, you can't criticize Lady Gaga when you're on a show arguing with 30 women over some (laughs) rando. Right? Like, no, go away. So it's like work ethic. Yeah, there's a reason she's good. It's because she played at lunch every day. Drive and determination versus sitting in a hallway. Goals and aspirations versus becoming one of many bachelorettes. Oh, there's, there's no contest. This is nothing. And it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Show. My name is Nigel Jerry Lopez over there. Um, nationally, wasn't too good of a night for Republicans, Jerry, but I think locally here in Indiana, Republicans scored some major wins. Pretty cool story in Marion. We'll go to the WIBC hotline and bring on Ronald Morrell Jr., just elected the first black Republican mayor of Marion. Ronald, uh, let me be the first to say I wish it was Marion County that you were <laughs> elected. Hey, look, congratulations on the win, Mr. Mayor elect. Tell me about the campaign and tell me how you're feeling right now. Man, it's been a, it, was, it was a great experience. I mean, I started this campaign about a year and 10 months ago, and we traveled all around the all around the city and, quite frankly, all around the state gathering support and gathering momentum to be able to put Marion on the map to become the first black mayor of Marion, Indiana, and the first uh, Republican 
black mayor in the whole state of in the whole state of Indiana. Yeah, let's take it a step further. You you actually got sixty four percent of the vote over a yeah. two time incumbent, which is unheard of. What what do you think it was about you and your campaign, your message that was just that cross party lines? I think it was the energy we brought, man. I think, uh, you know, Marion is a, is a small town in the middle of Indiana that was a, a rust belt, if you will, really dependent upon the, the industrial and factories. I and mean, we've been stuck in that kind of mentality for about 20 years, and there hasn't been, hasn't been any new energy or any new motivation. And quite frankly, no young people that really try to get involved. So I think the citizens bought into the, the energy behind the campaign and also the vision of, you know, cleaning up our city and then re-identifying ourselves over this last past 20 to 25 years. And uh, getting that message out was, I mean, amazing from knocking on doors, like, you know, traditional uh, grassroots campaigning, knocking on doors, selling to events, but also, you know, getting our message out really heavy via social media, I think was a big benefit to the success of the campaign. So, I mean, the knocking on doors things, the grassroots, that stuff worked. And I think the message here is if you want to become part of the, you know, process, you need to put in the work. How many hours would you say that you put in a week, a day, uh, the past year? I mean, countless? Oh, yeah. So, no, not countless. I actually wrote them down. So, we knocked on doors three nights a week for four hours for six months. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. So it was hard wow. work. And and I'm and I'm a big tennis shoe guy and I tore up two pair of tennis shoes doing all this <laughs> doing all this door knocking and walking. And you know, this is my first time running for office and so I was just going on advice of those who went before me and this is what it takes to win. It said you gotta knock on every door, walk on every street and you know that's what that's what, that's what we did. Ronald Morrell Jr. elected uh, first uh, Republican mayor of Marion, first black Republican mayor. And, and I, I want to know, like here in Marion County, Ronald, the the, the Republican challenger to Hogsett had, I, I think, in my opinion, was a bad support staff. He was following bad advice, had bad leadership in his campaign. What kind of people have you surrounded yourself with to make you successful? And the people that were on my campaign team were people who were Marion natives and who cared about Marion just as much as me. So that made it that made it easy. So they every idea that I came up with, they were able to help me implement it. And they actually were able to come up with some ideas on their own. So I think that when I was building my campaign team, I tried to pick somebody or pick people from each sector of our city. So um, somebody from the business community, somebody from the school, somebody from the social work community, et cetera. And, you know, Marion is a small enough race where we're not hiring a, uh, a full campaign staff. Everybody on my team was volunteers. Mm. So we put together a, a extreme, extremely talented group of volunteers that was able to, you know, help us pull this campaign off for, again, we ran for uh, 22 months, and they stuck with me the whole way, so I really appreciate them. I, I think one of the things that people really need to hear is that you actually, a Republican candidate, was endorsed by the local unions. Both of yeah, all the local unions we have were, came on my side and endorsed me. And what happened is, I mean, this is a model that you see successful in uh, Howard County and Kokomo. They were able to get... Uh, shift their whole county to Republican and all the union endorsements really help with them as well. So I think that um, the success that I've seen that the Kokomo mayor did over there, I did the same thing. So I'm like, hey, this isn't about this isn't about party, Democrat or Republican. This is about success of the local workforce. And one of my campaign platforms was how do we um, develop our local workforce and the union uh, so this for a quick story on that, the, the electrical union that oversees Marion in our area also oversees Kokomo. And, I mean, everyone's aware that Kokomo just got those two large uh, battery plants coming. And they said that, you know, they need to hire 800 people yesterday. And they don't, their pipeline is almost shriveled up. So what they're saying is they need mayors and specifically those in this area to be able to push their citizens and 
invest in them getting into the trades, into the trades and specifically the electoral union. So when I talked to them, I said, hey, you know, we have uh, many citizens who would love to go in and start making twenty five, thirty dollars an hour. You know, so like, how can we help? How can we, as a mayor, at the time as a mayor candidate, how can I, you know, encourage my citizens to be able to get involved? And you know, their main, the only thing stopping them was transportation. So now we're going to work with them and try to come up with a transportation service to where our our local people who want to become electricians can go and study with them and remove all barriers to get into the trade. So that's how I was able to get uh, a part of the get the union endorsements and just really buying into that workforce of skilled labor. Ronald Morell Jr., Republican mayor of uh, Marion, just elected last night. Congratulations once again, Ronald. I, I am fascinated with what happens next. What is the like the literal protocol, the mechanics of, of taking over uh, your office, and, and what what's the procedure moving forward? Uh, I'm still learning it all myself, man. <laughs> people, people call me. People call me about every three minutes and tell me what's what's coming next. Really? But I know. I know there's a newly elected officials training. I believe that uh, a company called Aim puts on that's going to really help help me out in that. But I think my 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 major challenge, the first hurdle over jump, is hiring my department head. So. In this situation, uh, our chief of police, our fire chief, our city attorney, and our controller all retired. Wow. So those are really important positions, and I have to get those put into place. So that's my main focus right now for the first uh, – in this transition period between now and January 1st. So so a lot of people don't know this, but the day you take office, you'll be 30 years old. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. wow. five years ago, did you have any idea that you wanted to do political office? And, and if not, what, what made you want to take this jump? Man, I had no. There's a short answer. I had no idea I was going to do this. But what made me uh, motivated to do it is I have, you know, I have two daughters, four and one, and I wanted to turn Marion into a place that they were proud of, and then where they wanted to uh, grow up in, and also raise their family in. And a lot of the youth that I deal with now, so in my current profession, I am the executive director for the Boys and Girls Club here in Grant County. And when I talk to the youth, the first thing they say they can't wait to get out of Marion, can't wait to get away, etc. So that motivated me to really try to uh, change that narrative and make Marion a place that like, people are happy to live instead of a place where people are happy to exit. Well, I think Marion could be a place um, to... I mean, there is a little bit of tourism that comes through there, right? Uh, you know, we, have, we do have some things. We have a matter, uh, modern park, which attracts a lot of people when we have our Christmas lights. Um, uh, this is the... The uh, James Dean is a big attractor for the whole entire Grand County area. So there are some things that get people through. Um, but we always we can cap. I mean, the guy who drew Garfield is from Marion, so most people don't know that. We can also capitalize on that more as well. So there's a lot of things that we have that are do that we're doing well. There's other things that we can do that really turn up that tourism aspect. Ronald Morell Jr. elected the uh, first Black Republican mayor of Marion. Ronald, uh, best of luck in the next four years with you and your vision for Marion. Um, I think the people, your constituents, are, are are going to be extremely pleased, and 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 I think the what was the percentage, Jerry, that he won? Sixty four percent. Sixty four percent. I mean, I think that's really saying something. You put in the hard work, and I think um, you're going to be a star, man. I, I I really, really do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, letting me come on your show today. Now, you, you'll know you'll see Ronald because you'll see the mayor with some Jordans on.
That's the calling card. That's the calling card. Yeah, man. You can always catch me, man, with my my um, my suit on with my sneakers. I'm a big, like I said earlier, I'm a big sneaker fan. So uh, every time you see me, I probably have some kind of nice pair of sneakers. On. Hey, congratulations, man! Happy for you, proud of you, and uh, happy for happy for Marion, man. That it's nice to have somebody from there that that's really looking out for the city. So really looking forward to hearing from you in the future. All right, thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. It's a Hammer and Nigel show. Nigel Show. Hello, my name is Nigel Jerry Lopez, aka at Indie Spanglish on all social media platforms, filling in for Jason Hammer. Uh, big five o'clock hour coming up, man. Um, Abdul is going to come in a little bit after five, break down local election results, maybe talk a little bit about what happened nationally, what it means for the Republicans. Then about 520, man, I, I'm, I'm telling you, Jerry, you uh, you hooked this one up, pal. I'm excited for this one. Hey, I'm really excited. We get a chance to talk with Dinesta Souza. For those of you that don't know, he came out with Trump Card. He came out with 2,000 mules that, that recouped the, uh, or went over the, uh, the election irregularities. These are films, right? Yeah, and now he's coming out with Police State. Just came out last month talking about the 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 way the government's now starting to look at private citizens and, and how they're starting to treat us and, and use our laws against us. So really excited so, for that so conversation. So Police State is his latest movie. Did he? I know he worked with Dan Bongino on that movie. Have you seen it yet? I saw it. I got a chance to see it last night because I wanted to make sure we had. I had uh, some stuff to talk about with him. It is terrifying. So if you don't get a chance to see it, it's on Rumble. Um, we'll ask him if you can get it somewhere directly. And, but in the way I understand, I mean, the the it's terrifying. Even the trailer is really scary. Now this is. Kind of like a docudrama, right? Where he, where he profiles certain events where the government has overstepped their bounds, and and he recreates what happened in the talks. He interviews the actual individuals involved, right? Correct. Like for example, you showed up to the J six thing, and maybe you didn't even go in the building, and maybe six months later, the FBI shows up and raids yeah. your house, and he, he went in and he actually talked to these people. So it's it's pretty jarring. Well, I can't find. It's funny because it's already being suppressed. I can't find the trailer anywhere on YouTube. I mean, it was not on YouTube. I know he's a Rumble guy too because he has a podcast and and um, he's been very very vocal. He's been banned. He's been suppressed. He's been canceled by the police but, state. By, yeah, by so uh, police state is the new movie from Dinesh D'Souza. We'll talk to him at about five twenty here. Somebody took a video. Were you, an old, were you a WWF guy at all? Oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> okay. this I can't stop watching this. I'll retweet this at Hammer and Nigel. Somebody took a video of Hulk Hogan being interviewed by Mean Gene back in the 90s, but they played it in reverse. And you tell me, it, it makes the Hulk sound like he's summoning an angry demon. Listen to this. Again, this is Hulk Hogan in the 90s in reverse. It sounds like, you know, the exorcist. <laughs> I'll retweet that at Hammer and Nigel. It just really goes to show me that 
people have a lot of time on their hands to create these things. Exactly what I was thinking. Exactly. Yeah, they're off. I'm addicted. I like. I've watched the beginning of it like five times. It's incredible. You've already listened to it too many times. Nice. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, are you a tattoo guy? I am. I you, am. Do you have tattoos? I do. I'm are they do. military? Uh, they're not all military, but I got them all while I was in the military. Okay. Yes. What did you do in the military, by the way? Uh, so I was a counterterrorism analyst. For the, for the army. For the army. Well, yep. thank you for your service, sir. Um, th- this girl is going viral. Because she she posted a video claiming that she got her boyfriend's named Kevin tattooed across her forehead. Oh my gosh! So a lot of people online are calling her out, or saying this is a prank. But she's standing by the video and says it's real. Here is Anna revealing her new ink. Oh my god! I love it. I don't think it's such a big deal. Like for someone, I've got so many. Like, I don't think it's such a big deal. Now, Jerry, I'm watching this thing. It's it's it looks real, and it looks like they're taking the what, what do they do after they they kind of peel something off? Yeah, of, like a little cover thing. on Yeah, there. they got a cover. It, it looks real, and it just says Kevin, <laughs> giant Kevin on her forehead. Her parents must be so proud. Do you? Are, I mean, I see a lot of these guys that are successful in music, and their faces. If you didn't know any better, they'd be like in a mugshot, like incarcerated for. 25 years for, for, you know, grand larceny or something like that. Like, um, what's the Post Malone? Yeah. Are yeah. you down with the facial Listen, tattoo? Listen, if you get all? tattoos like that, you put yourself in a really precarious situation. Like, you better be successful because <laughs> right. you can't right. go to a job interview with that on your face. You want that accounting gig? You can't have, Not tear, you can't have teardrops dripping, no. tattooed teardrops dripping down the side of your eye, right? No, not a, a dragon chance. crawling up your neck or something you're, like you're that. Forcing yourself to do something. <laughs> I don't. You're all covered. Let me. Can I see one? I just I have a couple. Yeah, I don't have too many. I have okay. like my daughter's name. Oh, right on. But but they're not all together. My mom used to say, if I get any more, I'm going to look like a newspaper. So <laughs> okay. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock. Hello, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is out. Jerry Lopez, aka Indy Spanglish, is in. Also joining us live in studio, Abdul Akim Shabazz. Great job covering the elections last night, Abdul. Thank you, sir. Let's start in Marion County. I think we all knew what was going to happen. Tell us the margin of victory between Hogsett and Sharif. Uh, the margin of victory, Joe won basically, it was basically a 60 40 split in, in a nutshell. 58, 59.3, 40.2.5. Now, now is that the breakdown of the actual voting demographic as well? Did it kind of just break straight down party lines? Um, not necessarily. I mean, you had some Democrats who voted for uh, Shreve, some Republicans who voted for Hogsett. But in a nutshell, it, 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 it trended the same way it's trended in the past. Marion County is basically a 60 40 Democrat. County. So same with the prosecutor's race. Yeah. Right? 60-40. Carrasco. And actually, and I want to say Cindy Carrasco actually maybe did like a maybe like a point better uh than Jefferson Tree did, but I'm still going through all the numbers and all the all the data. Now, can, can I just say something about Shreve? I, I'm not a Marion County voter. I live in Boone County. I, I probably would have gone a different way than Hammer did. I, I probably would have begrudgingly voted for Shreve, but he was just not. I, policies aside, just seemed like kind of a milk toast candidate to wasn't, me. Wasn't a very energetic campaign at all. Yeah, didn't. I don't think I, he identified with the the common Marion County voter. And it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because that was one of my. Uh, and Shreve, Shreve and I, we know each other for years. Good guy, good friend. Ran against, ran against each other in the primary, so full disclosure. 
But Shreve's issue had always been, uh, uh, here's the thought, I always say politics is an emotional process. You either vote for who you like or against who you can't stand. And I think Shreve was, was good on policy, but didn't quite make that emotional connection with the vote. It's the old line, who would you want to sit down and have a beer with? Yeah. You know, George 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 W. Bush or Al Gore? Yeah. And, Al, Gore, Al Gore is a smarter guy, but George George W. Bush is a lot more personable, a lot more friendly. But you said good on policy. I mean, I mean his his two A policy sucked. I mean, that was a, that was well, a big nobody's mistake. perfect. <laughs> but I don't think that was the I don't think that was a nail in the coffin. I, I just think you know to, to what Abdul said, he didn't connect with voters. And also the, the thing is too, I've been uh, like I said doing some math before we uh, came on the air today. Uh, I looked at straight ticket voting because that's always a big issue in, in elections. There were almost seventy thousand Democrat straight ticket voters and thirty seven thousand. Republican straight ticket voters. Hmm. So, so so Democrats beat Republicans in straight ticket voting by more than by more than thirty two thousand votes. Now, here's a, here's an interesting thought: take out those straight ticket voters, get rid of those straight ticket voters. Jefferson Shreve actually wins by thirteen hundred votes. Whoa, and some change. There, there, there. And and once say Indians like like one of maybe like a dozen states that still has straight ticket voting floating around so this is to say that if you got rid of straight ticket voting that jefferson shreve would have won but if you take those numbers out shreve actually wins by 1300 votes but in straight ticket voting it's a whole different ball of wax all right take us around the rest of the state any surprises abdul actually the 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 one surprise is that it's the old line the more things change the more they stay exactly the same and i looked at uh two mayor races one in terre haute and one uh in evansville uh because democrats won both those seats young kid in uh in terre haute right yeah young young kid in terre haute beat duke bennett and uh the and evansville just i can't remember her name they just selected her first after first african-american uh female uh democratic mayor uh terre haute and evansville are both Cities, both blue, both Democrat cities, but you had Republican mayors because Republicans won when it was still competitive. They did a really good job of keeping those keeping those seats. Duke Bennett's a whole different ball of wax, but but uh, Lloyd Winnicky, who was mayor of Evansville, wasn't running for wasn't running for a third or fourth term, and so Evansville just kind of went back to the way Evansville used to be a Democratic city. So at the end of the day, nothing. Democrats won. Where Democrats usually win, Republicans won. Where Republicans usually win, I, I ended up a little bit surprised because I expected with the economy and just the way everything's going that Republicans would have done a lot better than what they did. Yeah, but, but once again, those are all sort of national related issues, and people people actually really do a good job of compartmentalizing between the national issues yeah. and and the local okay. issues. My case in point, Kentucky, because Bashir uh, Bashir won like fifty two. 47 and say that Donald Trump won by 20 points. Yeah. Right. It's confusing. So, we'll get to nation's, nationwide stuff here in just a second. One more thing. Uh, Jerry, you live in Hamilton County, correct? I do. You're a Carmel voter. I'm a Carmel voter. Uh, you, so, so tell me about uh, the new mayor of Carmel. Yeah. So we had Sue Finkham. She was against uh, Miles Nelson. Uh, Sue Sue got caught up in the uh, Moms for Liberty thing, and Miles kind of tried to hold her hold her to that. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think that they they were able to energize that many young voters. Now she didn't win by a whole lot. We're talking about just a couple hundred votes, but nonetheless, Carmel stays red. And also, the thing to keep in mind too is that what does Moms for Liberty have to do with the Carmel mayor's right. race? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Just like those attack ads with Hogsett and Sharif, he's a t- he got an A rating from the two A. He or he's a you know Hogsett made the race about 
Donald Trump in the yep. NRA, and that was kind of despicable. And F- Finkham's candidate opponent did the same thing, right? Yep, exact same thing. I think when they had the debate at the Palladium, he asked her to denounce Moms for Liberty, <laughs> and she just kept kept coming through her notepad. <laughs> yeah. That I, I'd give her like, okay, so that was actually that was a pretty good move. <laughs> so, all right, nation nationally, I mean, here in the Midwest, uh, Ohio, Kentucky, Virginia, all big winners for Democrats. I mean, it's been a bad few weeks for Joe Biden in terms of polling, but boy, uh, de- Democrats. As a whole, really, um, really were successful last night. What, what do you think happened? And, and here's, here's one thing I always remind people about polling. Polling is not a prediction. Polling is a snapshot in time. I've done a number of different polls. I've said it time and time again. A poll is not a prediction. It's just a snapshot. It lets you know how you're doing at that particular time. It could all change tomorrow or the next day or with a few different people. So, uh, number one, keep that in mind. Number two, uh, the issue of abortion, reproductive rights still resonates. It resonated uh, in Ohio. It resonated uh, in Virginia, uh, where Governor Youngkin was saying, like, hey, if you give me the legislature, we'll pass, you know, tougher abortion restrictions, tougher, tougher reproductive rights restrictions. People said, no, we don't want that. We, we like things sort of the way they are. And in Ohio, they went so far as to incorporate, you have reproductive choice, reproductive freedom in their constitution. Now, some people say, well, this is going to mean, like, you can have abortions at, you know, at birth. No, you can't. Because if you, you, you that's only in Chicago. <laughs> re, re, uh, uh, in graduate, I mean, forty weeks. It's yeah. pretty late. Yeah. Well, no, well, no, 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 but no, but uh, and uh, like I always tell people, like my my old graduate school professors to tell us in graduate school, read the friggin' bill. Don't go by go don't go by what you read in the newspaper. Go read the bill yourself. And if you read the constitutional amendment, it doesn't say that abortions are okay at like 40, 50 weeks. What it what it what it says is is that you know we have reproductive freedom. It's at the point of the viability of the fetus and what the doctor determines, which is kind of the way it should be. So wait a minute, is that the excuse we're using this time? Is is abortion because Democrats are going to weigh on that pretty heavily in twenty twenty four? But hey, I mean, you're, it's, you're, it's like one excuse after the other. What about leadership? In the GOP, no, nobody's talking about leadership. This I feel like all this is going to be these these civil issues, whether it's abortion, whether it's uh, gay marriage, whether it's things like that. People are people get fired up about that. I don't think people get fired up about fiscal responsibility. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's Abdullah Akeem Shabazz. Ajiva show this weekend. Uh, no, we have IU football this weekend. Uh, we're going to uh, go through some of the analysis of the numbers, not this weekend, but on next weekend's show. Abdullah Lord, when normally, when is your show? The show's normally on 1 to 3 here on 93 WIBC, and also uh, IndyPolitics.org. You can find all my interviews and all my stories and other fun stuff. Abdul, thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel, filling in for Jason Hammer. He's known as Indy Spanglish on social media, Mr. Jerry Lopez, with a very special guest on the WIBC Hotline. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is a big one. In 2020, he brought us Trump card. In 2022, he bought us 2,000 mules, talking about voting irregularities. And just last month, he dropped Police State. He's a New York Times bestselling author, possibly one of the most important filmmakers of our time right now. This is Dinesh D'Souza. Hey, Dinesh. Hey, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, so I just wanted to jump right into it. I, I saw the movie, and I have to be completely honest, it's pretty terrifying. Uh, coming from, uh, you know, my, my family's from Cuba, it feels like this is right around the corner. Um, just what, 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 what got you into creating this movie, and, and how long has this been in the works, and what did you walk away with that was probably your most jarring uh, bit of information that you heard? 
Well, you know, we've been hearing about censorship. We've been hearing about um, political targeting. There's, of course, the uh, very bizarre phenomenon of the former president and the leading candidate of the Republican Party facing 90-plus charges uh, and the rest of his life in prison. So all of this, you know, raised a big question. What is happening in America, and are we becoming a police state? Now, when you look at police states around the world, uh, North Korea, China, Iran, Cuba, the old Soviet Union, the defining characteristics are things like mass surveillance, censorship, ideological indoctrination and propaganda in the schools and the media, criminalization of political dissent, uh, political prisoners, attacks on religious liberty, attempts to disarm the populace. And so you go down this list and you realize that many, maybe not, not all, but many of these characteristics are now present right here in this country. So it is very disturbing what's going on, and it's not just happening to Trump in the movie, I profile a lot of ordinary people who feel the hot breath of the police state. You know, Dinesh, hi, this is Nigel here. Um, I have not seen the movie yet, but I have watched the trailer. Even the trailer is bone-chilling, scary, and I, I know you're a rumble guy, but I can't find it anywhere on YouTube. I was looking for it on YouTube today. I couldn't find the trailer anywhere. Has the movie, in your feeling, been suppressed at all in any way from reaching uh, your audience? Absolutely. I mean, you, we make a movie called Police State, and we immediately begin to see the lo- sort of fingerprints of the police state on the movie. So we create a website, and a few days later, our web designer has the FBI come to his door and leave a business card saying, please contact me immediately. So the wow. guy, he doesn't work for our team. He's an independent guy, kind of freaks out. We contact the FBI, and the FBI goes, well, we don't know anything about it. It's not related to your film. So, all right. We drop that. Uh, then we find out, we try to send a, a, um, some money to an advertiser, Salem Media. We're buying a bunch of ads, a little over $100,000. And a division of the Biden Treasury Department, which is concerned with international terrorism, intercepts our wire, takes our money, and basically hangs on to it. Wow. Again, we have to like, you know, have the media call and find out what's going on. So then, quietly, they release the money. Uh, now we find out Amazon and Walmart won't stock our DVDs. Why? I mean, it's a legitimate topic. It's a responsible film. It's not a banned topic. No one has alleged that a single fact in the film is erroneous. And yet, so why shouldn't we be able to sell at Amazon? In fact, my earlier movies I've sold in Amazon as well as in Barnes and & Noble um, and, in, uh, and in Walmart. So we now have to go to the sort of alternative economy. You have to buy from Salem. You have to buy from Shopify. So police state film net is our website. That's the place to stream the film. That's the place to get DVDs. But these are all examples of ways in which they are trying to block us. You know, one of the things I took from the movie is I feel like the police state's being created uh, through laws that infringe our rights and they sell it to us for our own safety, right? Whether it's the, the Patriot Act, whether it's uh, J6, you can, you can come out here and protest, but we can't do insurrection. Or whether it's COVID, through fear, stuff like that, you know. What can we do as a society now? Because like you said, President Trump is one person, but but me, I don't have the assets or resources that a President Trump has. You're, 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 yeah. you're running into these issues, but you have different resources than the mom and dad that post on socials in Texas. So what can a yeah. regular person do to try to, A, stay safe, B, still use their rights, but, but not worry about the, these kinds of things? 
Yeah, I think that there's, um, we need individual action, but also coordinated action, and people do need to be cautious, because I think a lot of uh, people who are right of center are living in a kind of denialism. They're a little bit like the antelope, who, you know, doesn't realize there's a predator behind the trees. And even if you tell them, they're like, oh, no, Dinesh, it's the wind. You know, if for whatever reason the FBI comes to your door, do not speak to them. Uh, basically, because our side is back the blue, we like the cops, we think, oh, yeah, I'll talk to the FBI. I've got nothing to hide. They're not, you know, I'll clear the whole matter up. No. If they come to your door, they're trying to get you. They will use or even twist whatever you say against you. So clam up. Don't say a word. That's just a piece of cautionary advice. Um, you know, to defeat a police state, we need the courts. We need legislatures. We do need the presidency, because if you're going to remake or uh, reorient the FBI and the DHS and so on, that has to be done from within the executive branch. We need Republicans, um, governors and, and attorneys general and secretaries of state. So this needs to be a mobilized operation. Why? Because the police state isn't just one thing. I mean, even censorship involves academia. It involves the media, nonprofit groups, many agencies of the government and the digital platform. So look at the octopus that we're dealing with that stretches across the public and private sector both. You know, to that point, I, I, I drew a little box of, of this, the different things that police state. So social media, Department of Justice, banking and debanking, border insecurity, laptop information where the intelligence officers came back and it was all a lie. You know, it seems like there's, to your point, this huge octopus with so many tentacles that are just wrapped all around us and people are just stuck on the media and, and these false stories that people are being told. Yeah. And so don't, you know, don't try to take the whole thing on at once. I mean, always ask yourself, what can I, where can I make a difference within my own sphere of influence? And so my answer to someone who's like, what can I, ordinary Joe, do? I'm like, look, you, what you make, can do is maybe run for school board. Or maybe what you can do is volunteer to be a poll observer, or a poll watcher, or a poll judge in the 2024 election. Just do the thing that you can do. If each of us kind of uses our sphere of influence, and use all your influence. I mean, I once heard someone say that most people use about 10 to 15% of their influence to get things done. Wow. Try to use 90% of your influence to get things done. Try to be an evangelist to get the word out about police state. I mean, if they're successful in blocking a movie that's exposing, exposing the police state, then, of course, the police state wins. Talk about, uh, we're speaking with the filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Talk about police state for a second. Maybe give me an example of one of the events that you probably Profile. Like, I feel th this movie is you have depictions of real life events and then you interview the, the people that it affected. Like, maybe can you take us through the, the one that just is bone chilling to me is the pro-life guy that the FBI showed up at his door at six o'clock in the morning and busted through and had, you know, he's got kids that are crying and, and rifles in their face. Can you maybe just describe, a, a, you know, one of the one of the profiles in police state? Sure. I'll actually use a different example. Okay. There's an old guy named Joseph Bolanos who lives in New York City. Yes. He's, he's a civically involved guy, and he runs an apartment complex. He's not even a huge Trumpster, but when he heard about the big rally in D.C. on January 6th, he's like, look, I'm, I'm a video guy. I like to make slides and shows, and so I'll go down there with my video camera. I'll get all kinds of footage. It's going to be a historic day. He goes down there. He takes a bunch of footage. He sees all these people surging to the Capitol. He moves in that direction, but the, as he's getting 
closer, he notices people climbing on the rafters. He's like, uh, something seems a little wrong here. He turns around, goes back to his hotel, goes back to New York. So this is a guy who goes to the rally but never goes inside the Capitol at all. And then when he's home, he rounds up a bunch of his old buddies. They go to a local cafe, and he's showing them the footage that he took of January 6th. Well, guess what? A neighbor, like, becomes an informant and calls the FBI. And the FBI organizes a massive raid on this guy. And they don't realize that this guy is a little bit of a high-tech guy. And so he has multiple cameras in his apartment. The FBI comes to his door, and they try to cover up the door camera so you cannot see they're going to use a big battering ram to come through his door. What they don't realize is he has other cameras, and so he records the whole thing. And you see, basically, it's like a military operation. They come into his apartment, trash the place so it looks like Gaza, uh, and then they terrify him by grabbing him. They take him down to an FBI vehicle. They interrogate him for six hours. They alert the media. So NBC is there to portray the guy as a terrorist. He has a stroke in the process. And think about it. For what? What did he do? Nothing. So the point here is that you don't have to do something to come into their sites and all the classic like police state tactics. First of all, all police states rely on informants, right? Your wife turns you in, your kids turn you in, your neighbor turns you in. That happens in this case. The guy, is, he's not guilty. He didn't do anything. Makes no difference. They're going to raid him. He went over to, you know, his, his mom is in a rehab center. They raid that place. So think of the brutality here. One of the questions I had to deal with in the film is how does a, you know, how does a decent guy who works for the FBI, because not everybody there is a villain, how do you get decent people to do evil things? Dinesh DeSouza, filmmaker, and uh, the new movie is called Police State. It's police state. Uh, what is the website? So, yeah, the website is policestatefilm.net. So not .com, policestatefilm.net. It's like the one-stop shop to stream the movie, which you can do to your big screen TV, or you can order DVDs. Dinesh DeSouza, thank you so much. It's been an honor. Hope to talk to you soon, and best of luck with the success of the movie. Thank you very much the Hammer and Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Jerry Lopez, also known as Spanglish, Indie Spanglish, at Indie Spanglish on social media, filling in for Jason Hammer. We'll go straight to the hotline and bring on host of the Tony Kinnett cast, your show uh, happening weeknights here, 93 WIBC, starting at 7 o'clock. Tony, how are you? I am managing after the shenanigans of last night. <laughs> We're going to get to the election. I want to get your thoughts here uh, in Central Indy and statewide, and also what happened here in the Midwest with Ohio, Kentucky, and Virginia, and what that means for Republicans. But another piece of news that has actually kind of been suppressed is this leaked uh, Tranifesto, if you will, from the Nashville school shooter. Uh, Stephen Crowder, I believe, got his hands on photographs of the manifesto. What did we learn from this thing, and where do we go moving forward? Uh, we learned exactly what we suspected, which is that this Tranifesto didn't say things about, well, I was just really oppressed by Christians and their anti-trans rhetoric, and it really hurt my... It didn't say that, and it also didn't say just rambling, coherent, incoherent, babbling, like a truly insane person might say, like, Jupiter told me to do it. Like, we didn't see that. What we saw was textbook 
DEI anti-capitalist nonsense hmm. where the shooter, a white person, by the way, ranted about the evils of rich white children with their mop blonde hair and go into rich private schools, which, by the way, this was not like a rich private school. Uh, this was just an evangelical Christian school in the area that had students of every walk of life attending. And uh, by the way, it should also be stated that the shooter did not just shoot rich white children, but shot children who were from middle class homes and poor homes as well. Mm. And this is just, again, the unhinged decolonization rhetoric that BLM uses to support Hamas, the same unhinged rhetoric that they use to make excuses when uh, rioters burnt down places in Indianapolis, in Kenosha, and Minneapolis in 2020. And this is the exact kind of stuff that's being taught to your kids in schools by these woke teachers. This is the same kind of filth that drove eugenics in the 1930s and has driven every racial conflict in the last two centuries, which is it's all about those rich colonizing oppressors, and it's it's garbage. You know what's interesting is that oh, you know you name the various incidents around the country, and most of those were based on lies. Almost every single one of those incidents where BLMs went out here in protest, whether it's hands up, don't shoot, or or the shooting in Kenosha, or even now the Tranifesto, where I think it was reported that the the shooter actually attended that school as a child. Right. And and here we are. We're going to go through this exact same swirl of garbage in which this is shuffled under the rug because it does not fit what the left says is responsible for all crime in the country, which is it's all white supremacy. It's all super evil. It's all Islamophobia. It's these MAGA red evil people that are holding up Jesse Smollett in college with a subway sandwich. That's the real problem. But when you actually take a look at the incidents, it is more consistent with mentally ill individuals who have not received treatment, who have no idea how to function, that are going on these insane rampages and destroying communities based on this horrific rhetoric that the left continues to perpetuate. And honest to God, they are driving through this insane race war on the name of decolonization. It is, it's, it's hideous. And by the way, Tony, you, you mentioned something just then that, you know, a light bulb went off in my head. I want to know what role, I mean, this was a, a, a girl transitioning into a man. I want to know what role if any, some of the drugs that you have to take to do a procedure like that had on, you know, what kind of effects they, that had on the shooter. So I want to be very clear. We have no idea what we are doing when we are messing with hormones. The endocrine system of the human body is incredibly complex. And every time you mess with it, by the way, we we did some hormonal, uh, let's say, experimentation with women and menopause in the 80s and the 90s. And we found out something. First of all, when you mess with the human hormonal imbalances, you get cancer. The carcinogen increase, the the risk of cancer and, and your encounter with carcinogens after messing with your endocrine system skyrockets. Uh, And that isn't just limited to women going through menopause. Anytime you mess with a person's hormones and how their body responds to things, especially with testosterone, with estrogen, uh, even all the way down to serotonin, you change how the body works in ways that we don't even understand. So, yes, you can cause someone based, based on messing with their hormones to go into these 
uh, insane manic episodes where they might be aggressively violent. By the way, this is one of the, the reasons that Florida has dealt not only with the fentanyl crisis, but with situations regarding bath salts. Bath salts mess up your body in a similar way that a lot of these psychotropic hormonal treatments do, and they can cause individuals to quite literally fly off the handle and commit mass acts of violence. We have no idea what we're doing when we mess with a person's hormones. None at all. No one in the medical field completely understands the human endocrine system. Speaking with Tony Kennett here on the Hammer Nigel Show, one more thing, and then we move on to some some different topics. But this manifesto gets leaked out. We know now that it was partially racially motivated. The evil white well, the, privilege. The first three pages yes, are leaked the, I'm out. Sorry, we still the first, have no idea what the rest says. Exactly. First three pages or photographs of the pages talk about uh, white privilege and, you know, that is, you know, some of that stuff I'm reading there, it sounds sort of DEI-ish and it just confirms, you know, the Justice Department when they got their hands on this manifesto, knew it was racially motivated, but didn't and has not investigated this as a hate crime. You had KJP coming out with a bunch of statements about the trans community immediately mm-hmm. after this happened, just like Hamas brutally slaughters 1,400 Israelis, and Kamala Harris comes out and warns us against Islamophobia. What is going on? They understand that if you carry these horrible ideologies to their natural conclusion, this is the end result. This is not a fluke. This is not something went wrong in the meantime. This is the end result. And you know where we saw this played out? From 1951 through modern times in Africa. This is the exact same kind of horrible ethnic cleansing that comes. It starts out with this kind of rhetoric. Well, you know, there's really a lot of white privilege and and things that people who happen to be white perpetuate. Then it moves to all white people are complicit. Then it moves to all white people are white supremacy. And then before long, you're telling kids day after day that your opponents, those Jews in Israel, are just that they want to kill you and slaughter you. And you indoctrinate children into believing that their political political opponents or people that that they don't like are Nazis. Mm. What's the only natural response to being told there is a Nazi right in front of you? The answer is violence. This is the natural conclusion, and that's why KJP and and other members of the Biden administration like Kamala Harris, they don't speak out against this. Because genuinely, if you speak out against this from this point of view, it brings into question an entire facet of what students in our schools are being taught. Tony Kennett, host of the Tony Kennett cast, weeknights here on 93 WIBC at 7 o'clock. What did you think your overall impression of, uh, you know, the the election here in Indiana? We'll start with Marion County and work our way out. Uh, what I knew was going to happen happened um, <laughs> yeah. by the margins that, that I predicted, by the way, um, Republicans very underperformed. A lot of uh, Republicans didn't choose Shreve, but also notably uh, a lot of Democrats who were supposedly supposed to flip for Shreve based on his visionary anti-gun policies and his, you know, telling everyone, well, hey, I'm not going to have the police enforce state health law regarding, you know, abortion and investigations <laughs> that was supposed to flip Democrats over. And I don't think one Democrat flipped and voted for Shreve. I don't think there was one. And again, I, I, I said it, you said it, Jerry, you said it. We've talked about this for months. 
And I don't like to gloat, but at the same time, how many times do we have to be right before people start realizing maybe we should win an election for a change? What's it going to take? What's it going to take for Indianapolis to switch? I mean, doesn't give me much worse than Hogsett. Uh, Shreve came out here and spent thirteen million dollars of his own money. How, How can how can conservatives actually make headway in Marion County? Well, here's the secret: people don't vote against people. People vote for people. There have been very few cases in the last several decades in which people have come out to vote against a candidate. Most likely, if people don't like a candidate, they stay home or they leave a spot blank. People only vote for candidates that they like most times. And so what Republicans need to figure out is how to get a candidate that doesn't sacrifice half of his values in order to simp for an ideology that's unpopular in the city. They need to bring forth a candidate who I know is a conservative and doesn't have to be like super far right preacher conservative. That's not what I'm talking about, but a decent fiscally conservative, socially conservative or moderate in the position who has a plan for Indianapolis. Shreve had no plan for Indianapolis. He said platitudes from the beginning of his campaign to the end. There was no plan. People had no reason to vote for him. Just simply being not hogsets not enough to flip a city. Boy, Joe Biden has had a bad couple of weeks, but the Democrats had an amazing night uh, when we're talking about elections in Kentucky, Ohio, Virginia, just to name a few. What happened here, and what is the main cause? A lot of people are talking about abortion. What happened? So, what you're first of all, we'll, we'll work backwards. Okay. Uh, the, the, there's currently a scapegoat that's going around the country where we're going to sit here and pretend, oh, oh this, this time it's abortion around the country. Everyone really didn't like abortion. And so that's why all of these elections change. Only a few elections in the country focused on abortion. Very, very few of them, which means that abortion cannot be the central cause for all of the Democrat victories in the country. That's called a scapegoat. A scapegoat is what happens when you do not like the results of something, so you create something else to put the blame on. And we've seen this before, guys. Republicans have lost the last six elections in a row. The last six years, we haven't performed. And we've had a scapegoat every time. The year before uh, a year before this, it was entitlement reform. People really don't want entitlement reform. Don't touch their Medicare. The year before that, it was about, oh, it's a, it's a referendum on, on Trump again. And it's a people. And then before that, and we, we do this year after year. We come up with some kind of an excuse. Republicans didn't fund over here. Oh, it's actually Joe Biden. Oh, it's election fraud. People don't want to address that Republicans do not know how to win an election right now. You know, it's odd that you mentioned the last six years because the chairman for the GOP has been Ron McDaniel for uh. the last six years. So who picked that chairman I mean, of the GOP? It, it seems to me like the uh, like the like the Vegas Raiders have more accountability than the than the GOP <laughs> right now. Like what what do we have to do to to to, to fix this? Well, again, you have to provide first of all leader of the RNC that has a plan. Trump picked the niece of Mitt Romney to run the RNC. That was his fault. Trump sucks at picking people. He, and again, I voted for Trump twice. If he wins the nominee, I'll, I'll, I'll vote for him again. But it needs to be stated, Trump needs to stop picking people. When Trump picks candidates, they lose and they lose big. Trump picks people like the, the Cleveland Browns pick safeties. It's garbage. <laughs> I'm sick of pretending that he's any good at picking people. So that's number one. Number two, 
you basically have the establishment who wants to put dead corpses that are corporate shills up for election. And then you have populists who want to put nutcases who think that 5G cell phone towers cause autism up for candidates. (laughs) And then those are the two choices. And the average voter looks at that and goes, no, I'm not going in to vote for that. I'm not going to get out and knock on doors for that. I'm not going to get out and knock on doors for Mitch McConnell, and I'm not going to get out there and knock on doors for Carrie Lake. Both are bad. You know what wins? Good candidates that have a plan, that can do good governance, and also are competent on social policy. I'm not going to sit here and, oh, it's actually about abortion, and Republicans need to be Democrats in order to win elections. No, because Republicans have been pro-life for a long time. And it was never an issue. And all of a sudden, we need a scapegoat. So, oh, it's all abortion across the country. Look, in Ohio, yes, it was an issue. In Kentucky, yes, it was an issue. In Virginia, that wasn't on the ballot. In Pennsylvania, it wasn't on the ballot. In North Carolina, it wasn't on the ballot. In Texas, Nevada, California, those things weren't on the ballot. Republicans still lost. Why? Because there is no leadership. No one has a plan for where we're going. And because the only two choices are either Mitch McConnell corporate chill corpses or populist MAGA voter running individuals who also don't have a plan and just screech about conspiracy theories all day and also don't have a plan to govern. Tony Kennett, Tony Kennett cast tonight at seven o'clock. Tony, have a great night. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.